Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Joel Coleman of Sports Illustrated's Cowbell Corner, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for thunder and lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman here with you on a Tuesday morning. We are so glad that you have joined us at supertalk.fm. Or wherever it is you're getting your podcast from, we appreciate all of our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. Want to thank our sponsors, Strange Brew Coffee House and Churnin's Moon Ice Cream. You saw that that brownie, huh? Man, what'd you think of that? Man, that thing was a monster. <laughs> you feed a family of four with that it had thing. Like Reese's Pieces. On oh it. yeah, it had the candy in, oh. in 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 the brownie. Yeah, yeah. That might get you to break that vow of sweets chastity you've got over there. Oh man. Just take a bite, just a little bite. You know you wanna. I, I do wanna. The problem is, I'm definitely the devil I, on your shoulder here. The problem is, and I guess it's not a problem because I wouldn't know, mm-hmm. but I would kind of know. Mm-hmm. It's probably like one brownie mm-hmm. would be the equivalent of going out and eating this humongous steak dinner. Yeah, yeah. It's it's also like a gateway drug. You would take one bite, and then you're like, I could have some sweets every now and then. <laughs> and then the next thing you know, you look like uh, the guy at the the guy from Dodgeball at the end of the movie, Chuck <laughs> Norris. That's, that's what you look like. You're just eating ice cream out of the, the container with your hand. You know? I'm, I'm, I'm calling you like, Joel, we got to get you to run around the block a few times. You're like, oh, I'm, I'm all right. Just pouring Skittles into your mouth or something. Now you got everything about dodgeball, though. Yeah, it's a good movie. I like the painting of the bull. It's a picture of me actually taking the bull, the bull by the horns. horns. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's all kinds of good dodgeball. Nobody makes me bleed my own blood. <laughs> Nobody! <laughs> Great movie. Uh <laughs> Uh, Well, Strange Brew Coffeehouse, you can grab the bull by the horns there whenever you go by and pick up uh, one of their incredible handcrafted drinks. And of course, you know, you wanted to stay at home and brew your own coffee. Just buy Strange Brew's coffee right there or buy it online. Strange Brew or sbcoffeehouse.myshopify.com. And if you're like, hey, I don't have a mug to drink my coffee. They've got mugs. They've got mugs. They've got it all. They've got, it is literally a one-stop coffee shop. Yeah. So and also congratulations to them. They made the Andy Staples list of the 300 best restaurants he's ever eaten at, and that gets the guy who's eaten at a ton of restaurants. Yeah. So did you did you take a look at his list? I did. How many for you? Did you did you look? Uh, I didn't count. I mean, I, I got 21. Uh, now now you're gonna make me go count. Yeah. It's not gonna be. 21. Well, you've got them all in Starkville. I know. Yeah. You eat uh, Petties. Yeah. Uh, the Strange Brew, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Restaurant Tyler. Yeah. And what was the other one? Two Brothers. Oh, yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. Four for four. There you go. You probably gotten the ones in Oxford too. What were the ones? City in Grocery. I can't remember? Uh, no, actually, I've never eaten City Grocery. Really, Ajax. I'm probably don't. I don't have many in Oxford. Oh wow, okay. I really haven't eaten a ton in Oxford. Big Bad I mean, Breakfast. I'm familiar with all of them, but I've never eaten it. I don't get Big much of any of them. No. No, oh. I did like that. Starville had four to three. Although that was funny, for you know, but it's still a much better town. Obviously, Oxford. It's just so much better. It's just crazy how much better it is. Is Abner's on there? <laughs> no. <laughs> No, but Strange Brew Coffeehouse was, so that's good for them. Uh, our good friends over at College Corner, want you to want to remind you, they are still, they're just giving it away. I mean, I, I may try to talk them out of this at some point point. be like, guys, how much further can we go down the road here with this? 
but they they are just they are committed to saving you money. So what you're going to do right now is go to collegecornerstore.com, buy yourself a gift card, and you're going to get 30% off that purchase. So you can buy a $100 gift card for only $70, and then turn around, go, look online for whatever you want to buy. Or if you want to get out and shop, you want to get out of the house for a minute, you can do that. Do it safely, do it responsibly, but go to one of their two locations at College Corner. They're at Fleet. They're at, by the Fleet Feet in Ridgeland. They're by the Half Shell in Flowood. And you can take a look at the largest selection of MSU merchandise in central Mississippi. So again, collegecornerstore.com and find out how much you can save on your gift card when you buy today. Our good friends over at Advantage Business Systems know that now's the time. Now is now is the time. Now, There's you know no time like the present. There is no time like the present. That's a good point. And the present time for you to, to upgrade? The, the present. It's called the present because it's a gift. So get yourself a gift. Oh. At Oh, that was nice. You tied that together very nicely. No, that's very good. Was it good? Was it was good. good. You need to put that in a sermon. <laughs> they call it the present because every day is a gift. I mean, it's not like I came up with that. It's pretty common. We're, we're saying you came up with it. Okay. That's a Colemanism going forward. It's also would be thievery. Yeah. Jolosophy, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna, no, it's not going to be thievery. Who who did come up with it? I bet they're dead. It's true. So, what are we talking about? They're going to come out and claim it? No. If they do, we got bigger issues. Zombie apocalypse added to the 2020 bingo card. They call it the present because it's a gift, and then instead of asking for an amen, do I ask for a woo? No. No, okay. no you've gone too far. Just, now you've gone too far. Just trying, wondering how far I need to take this Joelism stuff. Jolosophy. Or Colmanisms. Okay. Colmanisms are a tenet of Jolosophy. Did you like... Do you want to get through the ad read before I say what I'm... I just, Maybe. I was going to say, did you like my campaign slogan the other day on Twitter? I didn't see it. Vote for Joel. I, I'm now running for president since I'm 35. Very good. Uh, uh, you got my vote. Yeah. Um, Joel T. Coleman, uh, red, white, and woo. I'm in. So, yeah, I kind of liked it. thought it was catchy. Can I be your... Uh, I want to be your press secretary. I want to be the one coming out and, and answering, and quote, answering <laughs> questions, unquote. <laughs> like, the president never said such a thing. How dare you? <laughs> so... Well, when you do get your campaign up and running, you're going to have a campaign headquarters. You're going to need new office equipment. You know who to call. Advantage Business Systems. And you should do the same. Upgrade what your business's business needs right now. If you need some new hardware, copiers, printers, computers, they've got that. Then you need new software, information management systems, mailing solutions. They've got that. Whatever it takes to get your business up and running, keeping it running smooth, or just take it to the next level, Advantage Business Systems has a plan for you. So call them today at 844-833-6245 or visit them online at absms.com. Advantage Business Systems helps your business do business. Yeah, one of my buddies uh, said he wanted to be the vice president with me, and I kind of like it because last name's Bell. So we had red, white, and woo, uh-huh. and he wanted Bell, yeah. So Make it work. Give me a Bell, yeah. You know. Uh, works for me, yeah. So, uh, let's start off with this. All right, three-star safety Mizell Williams has committed to Mississippi State. State's second te- uh, such uh, commitment in three days. A uh, safety out of the state of Florida, 
who uh, committed to Mississippi State over offers from Louisville, North Carolina State. Who will play his high school football his senior year in the home of Chipper Jones. Really? DeLand High School. Deland, well, there you go. Florida. I don't know if Chipper went to DeLand, because I think he played at like, some other place. But DeLand was his home, though. Okay. Anyway. A little, well, a little I trivia learned, there. I learned something. Tying it into the break. Yeah, made it work. Uh, Six-foot, 190-pounder. This is a guy that, you know, reading uh, Steve Robertson and Paul Jones, uh, their, their recaps of this, a guy they feel will continue to add offers uh, throughout the season. Uh, but Mississippi State has got him in the boat early. One of those guys that you know, is not going to shut it down. Theodore Knox, I don't know if you saw this or not, his, his recruitment's over. He's shutting it down, uh, and he will be, you know start making sure he's part of the class that he and Sawyer Roberts are going to try to bring some more guys in, namely Malik Neighbors, I think, is their next big target. I think that's one of the ways that you know that a guy's serious is when they're like, yeah, I'm going to start recruiting for this. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, when, when they, at that yeah. juncture, you're, yeah. you're pretty confident. When you've got a guy locked in and who's helping you recruit other players, a guy like a Jerry and Jones – that's when you know they are committed to your program. Uh, but no, Mizell Williams is a guy they're going to have to continue to recruit, is what they said. You know, and, and obviously, being a Florida kid, should a Florida, Florida State, Miami offer materialize, that would be a concern for MSU. But they've got him in the boat right now. Uh, State's class, again, you know, this this was not a uh, a commitment that moved the uh, the needle in well, terms. It bumped him up three spots. Yeah, the thirty eighth now. Yeah, obviously. But it also dropped their average rating, yeah, because uh, he is a, a low rated uh, three star at this time. But again, this is a guy that if if Steve and Paul are correct and he continues to add offers, then that's going to go up, obviously. And, and you know he'll by the end of the year he could be an eighty seven, eighty eight guy, and then that's right where you want to be. Basically, if you, I think you've got to stop looking at so much at like the, the 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 rating side of it and look at that average star rating. And if you're in the eighty eight range, you're, you're doing fine at Mississippi yeah. State. Yeah, not to mention the fact that it's kind of it's kind of foolish to look at that that rating uh, where they're you know in the team rankings right now anyway because it wasn't that long ago I mean and by not that long ago I mean like a week or two ago that state was only a spot or two behind Alabama on those rankings yeah. I mean like they don't mean a ton right now I, yeah. I think you're right you've got to look at that average star rating yeah. and kind of and if you you know if you just project. To, to what state's going to look like when they add 14 more signees, then yeah. Or I, I, it, may, it may not be 14. It may be 13. I don't know if the, the, what the scholarship numbers are in terms of if the NCAA stuff. I don't know if there's, a, if there's a restriction off the top of my head. I don't know. But at the end of the day, this is going to end up being another top 25 class for Mississippi State, and it's going to have addressed the biggest position of need at wide receiver. It's going to have a four-star quarterback in it. It's going to have you know a good bit of, the, of Mississippi talent in it. Yeah. You know they need to go get a couple of defensive linemen. Uh, they need to go get another offensive lineman or two. You know they only got one. one they've only got one lineman in this class right now, and that's McKaylin Pounders. You talked to him, didn't you? I did. Is it McKaylin? I got it right when I talked to him. <laughs> but, but you I don't remember? remember <laughs> oh man. Uh, but anyway, you know that's McKaylin. Okay, McKaylin. They need to get some uh, some big guys in there. There's no question about that. You know they need to get. Maybe two defensive linemen, and, and you know, a JUCO guy would be good, and then maybe two two more offensive linemen, and then you know, you sort of figure out because you you, you loaded up on those in the, in the past couple of classes. But all in all, I think this is this is just on the path to being another typical but good Mississippi State recruiting class. It's not going to be anything special unless something unusual happens. You know, now obviously, if you could somehow flip Deion Smith from uh, from LSU. 
then you got then you're you're, you're working with something, you know, or, or, or something along those lines. But I don't know that that's going to happen. You know, <laughs> of course it could. You know, you go out and you throw for fifty five hundred yards, and Tulu Griffin, as a true freshman, has seventy five catches. Might he, he might might catch his attention, and especially if LSU takes a big step back and Brennan is not what you know what they want. Something to look at. Yeah. Fair to say, though, kind of like you just hit on, but this class is probably going to be between 20th and 30th, right? Yeah. Somewhere in there. That's a, that seems fair. Doesn't it almost seem like, and I know this isn't the case, I mean, you got to work for it, but it almost seems like Mississippi State's on autopilot now. No matter who the coach is, it's just going to be a class ranked 20th to 30th. There the are only two ways for that to change. If, if a coach puts in the correct amount of recruiting effort, that's where his class is going to land. The only way that can be different is, A, he doesn't put in the correct amount of recruiting effort, and then it's going to be lower than that. Or, B, you have a situation like 2019 where in the state of Mississippi you just have an incredible bumper crop. And I don't know that we'll ever see a class like that again where you had so many four-star kids and you had a couple of five-star kids in that class. Don't know that that's going to happen again in this state. But if it does and you don't get caught in a transition like Mississippi State did, then you could launch yourself into the top 15. But those are the only two ways. State is never going to go out. Now, they're doing a better job this year, obviously. But a lot of that is you know Mike Leach and, and the connections he has. Which isn't going away. It's not going to go away, but by, and, la- he goes by away. and large, State's not going to land a bulk, a, a ton of out-of-state four-star kids. You know, They've got two this year. They may get one more with neighbors, and we'll see where that takes us, but... Tell you what, though, digging in in Texas, that's a good place to start building Well, there's up. so many kids there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no question about it's that. a darn so, good spot to dig you a pipeline. Yeah, I mean, when you look at, at, at somebody like Knox, right? Knox is rated as the 35th best player in the state of Texas. At a, his, his 24-7 score is 91-34. That would be good for fourth in the state of Mississippi. Yeah. You know, he would be behind Deion Smith, Isaiah Brevard, and Luke Altmyer, who I would – no offense to any Starville people, but I didn't realize Luke Altmaier is the third best player in the state. I don't know that I agree with that assessment. But regardless, you know, part of that's he's got an FSU commitment, and that's going to get you up there a little bit. Yeah, he's pretty darn good. Buddy. He's a good player. No, don't get me wrong. I've seen him play. He's he's a good player. I don't know that he's the third best player in the state. Um, I don't know that he's the best quarterback in the state. To be totally honest with you, I don't know. If, I've never seen like Tykes with my own. I've seen eyes. the highlights, but I don't know. But regardless of that, Mississippi State. Looking good on the recruiting trail uh, right now. Let's move on over to our opponent preview for this weekend, and it's an interesting one with the Kentucky Wildcats. And this interview we're about to go to with our friend John Hale of the Courier-Journal in Louisville is brought to you by our good friends at Welcome Home Beef. This is the 4th of July weekend, the weekend that was made for cooking out. That means you need to get on the grill with some great products from Welcome Home Beef. Check them out online at facebook.com slash welcomehomebeef and see what you can order there. Beef ribs, brisket, steaks, burgers, all the great stuff you want to put on the grill this weekend. Or, you know, just ask them, hey, do you have this? Can you get me that? Because I'm telling you right now, they can make they can make things happen. They've got the connections. That's what happens when you have as much time in the business as the guys at Welcome Home Beef do. When you are your own provider of cattle, well, not only are you getting the best possible product, but you're keeping the prices really reasonable as well. There's no middleman there. That's why your burgers at, at Welcome Home Beef are cheaper than the burgers you get at the grocery store. Cheaper in price, far superior in quality. So it's just a it's a no lose situation. Give them a call today. And don't forget, by the way, this weekend, Welcome Home Beef food truck is going to be open for business. So there's no reason not to get in get over to Welcome Home Beef sometime this week. It just tastes better, right? 
the the, the, the food truck. Yeah. That's when, what we're going when, with. That what you know why? Because they cooked it for you. That's right. It's just easier that way. So, give them a call today at 662-418-2021 or visit them online at facebook.com slash welcomehomebeef. Burgers, steaks, ribs, and brisket, no matter what you pick from Welcome Home Beef, no one thing is for sure. It just tastes good. Let's go to our interview with John Hale of the Louisville Courier-Journal. Joining us now on the Welcome Home Beef Hotline from the Louisville Courier-Journal, John Hale. John, we'll start off with congratulations. I know you're a big Liverpool fan. It is. It's a big week. I mean, uh, I was a little skeptical, and, and maybe this is good news for all the college football fans out there, what it would feel like when your team wins a title with you know nobody in the stands and this kind of weird uh, sporting world we're living in right now. And, and I can tell you it's just as exciting as you, as you might think it'd be. So uh, it was a good week for Liverpool all around. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. All right, let's talk about Mississippi State, Kentucky. Normally this is you know sort of the SEC opener for State in years past. It's usually, I think, the second game in the, in the conference that Kentucky will normally get Florida ahead of this. Now it's been moved all the way back uh, into the November. Just on the surface, does that do anything for you? Does that make this game – does it feel any different for you? I mean, I think for Kentucky in this specific instance, it probably helps a little bit uh, because if they want to be a dark horse contender in the East, they, I think they, they almost have to beat Mississippi State. And so you want that game in a in a moment where maybe you've got a little more things figured out, especially with all the confusion. You know, you know, half a spring practice canceled and summer conditioning delayed, and all those things. Yeah, I think it's going to take it some time for a lot of these teams to click 100. percent And Kentucky, that's especially true because they have such a question at quarterback with Terry Wilson coming off injury. So for them, and how important that game is for their season, I think it doesn't hurt to have you know know what you're going to have in Terry Wilson a little better as opposed to playing the third or fourth game of the year when he's coming back from this long-term injury. Uh, in that instance, I think it, it, it helps a little bit for Kentucky, but just in terms of the overall feel of the game, I, I don't think when it's played matters nearly as much as, as what it's going to look like in terms of fans and all those other questions we still have. And, of course, this game, if you look at the schedule, between Tennessee and Georgia uh, for Kentucky, is there some, I, I, I love using this term, trap game potential? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely possible. And, you know, we'll obviously know more when we get closer in terms of what's at stake, uh, that happened to Kentucky two years ago. Uh, and, you know, they were ten and three, their best season in thirty years in, in 20, uh, 2018. And that season, they they had a game for the East against Georgia uh, at home. You know, winner take all for the SEC East, basically a play in game, and they lost. And then there was such a letdown the next week. They went to Knoxville and just got kind of shellacked by a pretty bad Tennessee team overall. Kentucky has lost to all sorts of Tennessee teams, good and bad, over the last 30 years pretty consistently. So, you know, maybe that's a fluke in of itself. But we've seen this as a team, a program at least, that has, you know, occasionally had one of those letdown games. And with a rivalry game like Tennessee, if you win that one, uh, you're probably riding high. Uh, at that point, you probably have a pretty good chance to contend to the East. Maybe you look ahead a little bit to Georgia the next week. If you lose to Tennessee, that might have tanked uh, whatever hopes you have of contending in the East with Georgia still on the schedule, uh, and then maybe there's a little bit of a letdown. So I think absolutely being between those two games you know, adds a, a lot of intrigue to how, what Kentucky's mindset will be that week. You know, if you ask Dan Mullen, this is a rivalry game as well, so you know, just just keep that, <laughs> keep that in mind. I mean, I, I guess the SEC office thinks it's a rivalry game. Yeah. They play yeah. every year. Um, you mentioned Terry Wilson. That injury last year was one of the nastiest I've ever seen, just, just an awful – 
awful injury for him. How far along is he in his recovery, and, and is there any question in your mind that he will be the starting quarterback for Kentucky this year? Yeah, I mean, he tweeted a couple days ago now that he could finally say he's 100%. We haven't gotten any official word in terms of what that means. Uh, but all spring, before they you know canceled practice, Mark Stoops told us that he fully expected Terry Wilson to be ready for the opener. Uh, we've gotten a lot of flack at various points as media people. If you question anything about Terry Wilson's status or his performance or whatever, I actually wrote Kentucky's preview for the Athlon magazine, too. And overall, I was very glowing about all the depth and, and the weapons they have in almost every position. But it you know, noted, I think fairly, that there's a huge question at quarterback because uh, Terry Wilson obviously has the injuries coming back from Kentucky coaches and players and his teammates take up for him all the time. His family's very vocal on social media and, and point out he's got a, he's 11-3 and three as a quarterback, which you just don't see at Kentucky very often. He won a lot of those 11 games because of Benny Snell or Lynn Bowden or somebody else. Uh, he, didn't miss, he didn't carry them himself to any of those games, but you can't, can't argue with the record. So I have less questions about his performance than just what he's going to look like health-wise. I mean, what is, you know, that's a serious injury. We've seen some players come back in a year and be fine. We've seen other players in various sports have that linger for a long time afterwards. It was not a torn ACL. It was a torn patellar tendon, which, you know, according to some people can be a little more serious. So I think it's a huge question. If he's going to be ready 100%, he says he is, but we'll see on September 3rd. And if he is ready, how much rust is there to, to break off? And if Terry's not ready or if he's rusty or if he's not the same quarterback he was before the injury, if he's lost some mobility, there are even more questions for Kentucky behind that. Joey Gatewood, the transfer from Auburn, you would think would be the number two guy, but he needs a waiver to play for play this year to not sit out. And with Auburn on the Kentucky schedule, I have a hard time imagining that that's going to get approved. Sawyer Smith, former Troy quarterback, is was Terry's backup last year. He looked pretty good against Florida the first game in after the injury, but then he got a wrist injury himself and a shoulder injury, and he was basically the worst starting quarterback in FBS the next two weeks. And, and we all know from there they went to Lynn Bowden, quarterback, and we know what happened. At that point, is he the guy we saw against Florida, or is he the guy the next two weeks when he was banged up? And then uh, they have a freshman in Bo Allen, who's a, is a really highly touted recruit, a four-star kid. But he's a freshman. Uh, we don't know. I mean, he needs time to learn. Nick Scalzo, their other quarterback, uh, was a three-star quarterback out of, out of high school. Some people probably know him from the QB1 show on Netflix. He was one of the three guys featured in that last season. He tore his ACL last year, missed the whole year for the second time. So he's got huge questions. And, and I don't think there are any easy answers at quarterback. If everybody's healthy, I expect Terry Wilson to be the starter. But I still have questions until we see him play in terms of what he's going to look like, what 100% for Terry Wilson means now. We mentioned Dan Mullen a little bit ago. Of course, when he was in Starfield, Mississippi State had a lot of success in, in this series and I think went into the, the Kentucky game pretty confidently when Mullen was here. Of course, Kentucky's kind of they, they built themselves up uh, into quite a program the last couple of years and things. I'm curious, just what is the perception of Mississippi State from, from the Kentucky angle now, this game? How, how is it viewed? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, because, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, Dan Bowen absolutely owns Kentucky just overall. I mean, they, they did get the win against Florida a couple of years ago. Finally lost into that streak, not only into the streak against Florida, which was you know, 30 years at the time, but also ending the streak against Mullen. That's why I think that there was definitely a respect level among Kentucky fans for Mississippi State as a program when he was there, but mostly for him as a coach and knowing how hard the the kind of road to, to 
hoe ahead there, or whatever you want to say, was for Kentucky. But I also think there was this weird perception from the time before Mullen and the time before Mark Stoops, when you know Rich Brooks was here, and uh, and Kentucky and Mississippi State were, you know, let's face it, you know, generally at the bottom of their division, sometimes competing for bowl eligibility, who wins that game, and that was always a game Kentucky fans circled on the schedule, and not not as a must win by or as a definite win by any means, but a, a game they thought they could be competitive in every year, and it seemed to take several years, even though that Mississippi State was just owning them, frankly, with Mullen there for that perception to catch up. And by the time it actually did, he left. And we, we've seen the strides that Kentucky have made has made the last couple of years in, in kind of closing the gap between not only Mississippi State, but also the bottom half of the East that they play every year, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, Missouri. I mean, Kentucky has got wins against all those programs in the last few years, Tennessee being the one that had, they've had the most trouble with. So I, I think now uh, Kentucky fans kind of view all of that tier of teams in the same conversation as Kentucky. They get a little offended now when people pick South Carolina or Missouri ahead of them. I'm sure they would get offended a little bit about you know people assuming that Mississippi State would, would beat them now. I think that's just how fans work. But I, I, I do think that there's a kind of there's a, a, a notice of how important that game is to Kentucky's season every year if they want to do things special because the other game they're going to get out of the West year to year might be really hard. I mean, if you get Arkansas, you're in pretty good shape. If you get Auburn at Auburn like they do this year, that, that's a problem. And if you're going to get ten to the East, you need every win you can get. So I think there's respect, but uh, I do think that this is a game Kentucky fans look at most years and say, uh, we can win that and we should. We need to if, if we're going to do what we want to. The easiest question is the hardest question. Who replaces Lynn Bowden? Oh, boy. <laughs> I don't uh, well, in terms of who's going to replace him on the field, just at, at his position at slot receiver where he played before they moved the quarterback, uh, they've got a couple options, uh, neither of them nearly as good as him. Uh, Cleveland Thomas, who's a, a junior now, he's uh, he's had some moments at times, but nobody really in their wide receiver group is super proven. Uh, in terms of a go-to option at receiver, they hope that it's Josh Ali, the senior, I mean, None of Kentucky's receivers got many passes in the second half of the season last year with both the quarterback, but Ali was the one guy who had a really nice moment in the bowl game, the Belk Bowl against Penn State. He caught the game-winning touchdown on the last play. He had a really nice game. They kind of hope that that's going to catapult him into a big season as a senior. He can move around a little bit on the field. In terms of a skill set production, probably the best hope they have is Mike Drennan, the freshman they signed from Columbus, Ohio, four-star recruit had offers from basically all the big programs in the Midwest, uh, including Ohio State and Pitt, Kentucky. Uh, he's a do-everything kind of guy. He was rated as a running back, actually, uh, by a lot of services, but they're going to play him at slot receiver. He'll be in the backfield. He'll probably do some wildcat, do similar things to Lynn Bowden, but he's not going to be Lynn Bowden next year by any means. Mark Stoops, obviously a reputation as a defensive guy. What does his defense look like in 2020? Yeah, that should be their real strength. I mean, we talked about the questions at quarterback. We talked about the question of replacing Lynn Bowden. Their offensive line's great, but on defense, they have almost every important player back from a year ago and some additional uh, players that are coming in that really help them. On the line, they're as deep as they can be. Uh, they lost two starters there, but they moved Josh Pascal, former four-star recruit, from outside backer to, to the line, so that's going to fill one of the holes. they got Phil Hoskins, uh, six-year senior, back. Uh, he got a, a waiver to have a six-year of eligibility because he missed all of last year with an injury. He missed the previous year with an injury. So he's back to fill in those two holes in the line. 
Uh, then they've got really good outside linebacker depth, a couple young guys, uh, freshmen that got the red shirt last year, J.J. Weaver, Katie McDaniel, were very high on behind their starters. Uh, they did have a hit at inside linebacker this offseason. Chris Oates, the guy they, they projected to start, uh, had a, a medical issue that we don't really have a lot of details on other than it's not COVID-related that has him in a rehab facility right now, so nobody really expects him to play this fall. Uh, maybe his football career is very much up in the air, but they have a little bit of depth there, and then the secondary is really, really strong in terms of it was the big question a year ago. Basically, no one had played any important snaps that they had available, and they really overperformed. And so now they have a bunch of young guys, sophomores, uh, a few juniors coming back with lots and lots of experience. They get Devontae Robinson, uh, their senior safety, who was probably their best defensive back going into the season, missed all of last year back from injury, too. So that's the side of the ball that, that really could win them games. The, the defense two years ago for Kentucky in that 10 win season was probably the best they'd had since the 70s. Uh, and if everything clicks right, this could this could absolutely rival that group this year. Just to look beyond the, this year and, and sort of look at this program as a whole, is there another step to take for Kentucky? Can they be a program that, that gets on the same tier as Georgia and Florida? I don't know that they can recruit at that level, but is, is there a way for them to, to become a team that gets to the SEC championship game? Maybe not with regularity, yeah, I, but gets there. <laughs> that's, that's the huge question. I mean, it has Mark Stoops reached the peak. I mean, this is basically the spot. It's a little better, but that Rich Brooks had them in 10 years ago where they were winning seven games every year, going to bowl games. Uh, Stoops has done the one thing Brooks didn't do in terms of every three or four years you have a really special season, get the 9-10 wins. They've done that once now for the first time since 1977. I think this year, if they get a quarterback, that it's circled as one of those kind of years again. But we, we know that Georgia's not going away anywhere the way they recruit. We know that with Dan Mullen at Florida, that program's about to probably take off and start rolling. The gap is not going to get any closer between Kentucky and those teams than it is right now. So it does feel like it's kind of at this cusp where if they're ever going to get to an SEC championship game in this kind of setup, it probably needs to happen now. I mean, Mark Soups has recruited at a level that we have not seen in Kentucky. I mean, the class they just signed is, is the best one he's signed yet. Uh, it's, you know, they have a five-star defensive lineman in Justin Rogers coming from Michigan, the top player in Michigan who had offers from Michigan, Michigan State, is coming to Kentucky. He's a guy who could help this year immediately as a freshman. If they can keep adding guys like that on both lines where they're really strong, you know, I think they can keep in this spot where they're certainly in contention for that third team in the East every year. But it's a matter of do you need Georgia to have a hiccup? Do you need Florida to stumble a little bit to get in that in that conversation, and it seems like just with the way those two programs recruit, that's probably going to be the case. I mean, I I do think that every three, four, five years, Kentucky can have a team where they could be in the conversation, but being in the conversation and actually getting to Atlanta are two very different things. Until we see them do it, I'm going to have major questions if that's ever going to be realistic. Very very similar to what we say about Mississippi State down here in Starville. What's the average low in uh, mid-November in Lexington? Ooh, let's see. I mean, uh, the the weather here tends to go directly from about 85 to 40 overnight, it seems like sometimes. I don't know that we get a, much of a fall anymore. Uh, but in November, I think you're probably on the worst-case days looking right around freezing. It, it doesn't get like – I mean, we've had some really cold winters the last couple of years where you know, it was single digits for several weeks, but most of that comes December, January time. I would hope in November you don't really have to worry about a lot of snow, but it's at least possible. Well, at least the press box is closed up there. We, we've got that working. There you go. There. All right. John Hale from the uh, Louisville Courier-Journal, thanks so much for joining us here, man. We appreciate it.
Anytime. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, thanks to John for his time. We appreciate that. We've been saying it for a long time on this program and, of course, prior to your arrival on the B&B show. Mississippi State needs to be able to say Kentucky's a win. That is that is essential, crucial to their ability to stay going to bowl games. You know you can win the, uh, the four non-conference games, or at least you feel like you should be able to do that, and then you should be able to win of your other um, seven games at least one of those. But Kentucky has to stay in the win column. Yeah. And now, you know, they've uh, they they won two years ago. Last season, I don't think it's unfair to say State caught Kentucky at the absolute right time. As John mentioned, Sawyer Smith was hurt. They couldn't throw the football, which ended up not being a problem for them later because they were able to run the ball at will with Lynn Bowden. I think if you had played that game where it's going to be played this year, State loses that game to, to Kentucky. It's probably fair. So here we are now. And you look at for, for MSU, you think about November. It's always had Alabama in it. So you've always thought, okay, no matter what else, you're going to take that loss. But now your November is Missouri, uh, Kentucky, Alabama A&M, and Ole Miss. That's four winnable games. Chance to go 4-0 in the month of November for the first time yeah. I, since I can remember. Yeah, well, this is the – I mean, you could go 4-0, 0-4, right? Isn't that's, that how yeah, that's how the, the way the schedule kind of, is, yeah. is set up, yeah. <laughs> Uh, any season that Mississippi State ever has that's going to be a really successful year, it's going to include wins over Arkansas, it's going to include a win over Ole Miss, and it's going to include a win over Kentucky. Yeah. If you tell me they lose any of those games, State had a you know middle of the road six and six, seven and five type year. No, you say that they lost. They lost to Kentucky two years ago. And one four. eight and four. That's yeah. true. That's true. But they have uh, to. They have to find when they lose to Kentucky. They have to find wins that you would normally not say. Well, they lost to Kentucky, but they beat yeah. Auburn or Texas A and M. Yeah, you know. But I, is that a perception thing? Are we are we just doing that because Kentucky five years ago was terrible? Yeah, probably, probably. Because I, I think in my mind, even though Kentucky is not the program that it was a few years ago when Dan Mullen was just beating them every year. Mm-hmm. In my mind, I still look at that Mississippi State schedule, and I, shoot, I just did it a second ago. I said four and zero, zero and four, four and zero, zero and four, four and zero. I basically just put it as a win again, despite the fact that Kentucky could very easily beat Mississippi State. I mean, yeah, I, I do think there's some of that. This is who they were five years ago, so that there's some of that perception thing going on. And this Kentucky team is not the team that it was five years ago. It could, it could very easily. Beat Mississippi State, and as John talked about in the interview, they they see themselves now as a team that, you know, the fan base is going to get ticked off if they're picked to lose to a South Carolina or a Mississippi State or a whoever. Um, it's a program that's in a different spot now than it was five years ago, and I don't know that minds have completely caught up to that fact. You know, yeah, that that Kentucky can I mean, now right beat now, pretty much anybody. Right now, part. Kentucky's the third best program in the East. Yeah, they're behind Georgia. They're behind Florida. But right now, I'd say they're ahead of Tennessee. You know, now Tennessee could easily Tennessee has the potential, the higher ceiling. And Tennessee's kind of had their number. A they have, bit, a as John bit. talked about there. But you know, they, the last two years they've won eighteen games combined. I mean, that's pretty darn good. It's mm-hmm. better than anybody else in the East, other than Florida and and Georgia. So for state, you know, if they win this game, it they have the potential to be an eight win team plus 
if you lose this game, you're probably right. You're probably seven and five at best. You know, I I think State's going to beat their non-conference opponents. I think they're going to beat Arkansas. There's five. I think they're going to beat Missouri. There's six. I think they're going to beat Ole Miss right now. That's seven. And then you know, Kentucky gives you a chance to be eight. Now you do have what a brutal season that would be to go four and zero, zero and four, four and zero. It would be awful to to witness. You would just you would not feel good about yourself. But that's potentially what could happen. You know, I think the best opportunities to break that up is is, is Auburn. To be to be totally honest with you, at home. But at that point, even then, you're five and zero, zero and three, four and zero. So you're it's a great season. You're nine and three, but it's really weird. Well, I mean, A and M's in there too. How, how do you know what? I mean, no, you know, you don't know. You don't know. What, you're what five hundred against A and M the last yeah. eight years. So yeah. who knows how that's going to go? Don't. So, but this Kentucky team, you got to give Mark Soup's a lot of credit. You know, he he is he. Three three years in, I thought, okay, this guy's about to get run out of town just like everybody else. He's not getting it done. He's not a good coach. And they they were patient with him, which is something you don't see see very often anymore in college football. And I mean, you look at, at his record, you know, two and ten, five and seven, five and seven. You know, sixteen should have been a hot seat year for him. And they only went seven and six. They were somehow second in the East, by the way, at four and four in the conference. I don't know how that works. But they were seven and six. They beat Mississippi State that year on, on a last second field goal, which is the difference in them. You know, think about this. Peter Sermon. Yeah, yeah. Think about Peter Sermon. If State wins that game and they go five and seven, now you're four years in without a bowl. Is Stoop surviving that? I don't know. I don't know. Kentucky but, has Peter Sermon to thank for Mark Stoops. Mark Stoops has Peter Sermon to thank. He should send him a bouquet <laughs> of flowers every day. But then, you know, they turn they seven and six the year after that, and you're still thinking, it's just never gonna happen. And then they have the monster year ten and three. And then last year, to go eight and five with a quarterback who I guess it may be the last time we ever say it on this show. Could not throw the football. I mean, that shows you the guy is obviously a really good coach. And he's got that program in a good spot. I, I tend to agree with, with, with John. that I don't know that there is another step for Kentucky. I think Kentucky and Mississippi State, if you, in a five-year span, if they win a total of 38 to 40 games, that's about the, the top end. And you might have a year where there's six and there's a year where there's ten. Yeah. And the other three are eight. But that's what you're looking for. With what Mark Stoops is doing right now at Kentucky, it's a little bit... I know, like we just mentioned, he struggled there for the first few years at the beginning. No bowl. But what he's done the last few years, it's almost like he's on a pathway to kind of what Mullen did in Starkville, right? There's something to that, but Mullen's success was quicker. Yeah, I guess what I was going to ask is, do you think Mark Stoops isn't far from a... I don't know if a Florida job is is the right kind of job, way to put it, but it, is a bigger job pretty I think, soon going to come knocking? I think he was a, a big candidate for Florida State this year. You know, he coached there before, uh, but he decided to stay at Kentucky. Um, you know, the question becomes what what happened? You know, where would he go? Yeah. You know, try to find a landing spot for him. You know, not, I don't think this is going to happen. What if Harbaugh left Michigan? That's a spot where Mark Stoops could easily end up, I think. Um course with budgets and who knows what yeah, you know, uh, yeah but folks just, may not be firing in coaches, a perfect but, world yeah Sto- Sto- yeah stoops is a guy that if he has another eight plus win year is going to be on big schools radar why would he not be plus he's a stoops yeah and he's got the, he's got the the pedigree so yeah there's no question about that is that what people say when they start podcasts like if cal t wants to start one or if one of your daughters wants to start one they're like she's a hey dad got the pedigree. coleman they got the, the legacy yeah yeah exactly um 
the only the only issue for Kentucky, and it's the same issue for Mississippi State. I, I said this for a long time that State's talent is a lot closer to Vanderbilt's than it is to Alabama's. So all it's going to take is one bad recruiting class, and then Kentucky is really in trouble because they don't stack up four and five star players the way Alabama and LSU and, and Georgia do. So they they need to they can't afford a lot of misses in recruiting. Uh, neither can Mississippi State for that matter. So, but this is a good Kentucky team, and it's going to take a, a good effort from Mississippi State to go up to uh, there and win. And and sort of just just we we sort of asked this question as a joke, but if it's snowing up there. You yeah. know, how's that air raid work? How's that air raid? Now that said, Mike Leach has coached a ton of games in the snow, coaching at Washington, Washington State. State. Yeah, you know, it snows there in like the first week of April, I think, and it doesn't stop until <laughs> the last week of March. They get a one week window of sunshine in the Palouse. <laughs> uh, so he's going to have he's going to understand how to do it, and Costello should be familiar with it because you know he's played in those kind of I would imagine he's played in those kind of climates before. But for Mississippi State, the the rest of the team. Has has any of them ever played in snow? I don't know. I, 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 don't I, know. I can't. When's the last time there was snow on the field for a football game for Mississippi State? We've been to all of them the last you know few years. Shreveport. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm, like, that it? I'm trying to think. Yeah, it might legitimately. No, because be. I went to that. Uh, shoot, what year was that? What year was that Arkansas game at uh, Davis Wade? It was freezing and sleeting. It didn't and snow. That's 2000, though. That was the same year, so, though. Yeah. So the snowball was after that. So, yeah, I mean, something to consider. The, the, the timing of this game is something to consider in terms of... Are we you, missing one? I'm trying to think. Where would they have gone? Yeah. Think about, think about you know, it would start something like November, right? They, they, where would they go? Fayetteville, maybe? I mean, that, that Arkansas... The 15 game, there wasn't snow. There was not snow. It was one of the coldest games I've ever yeah. been at. 17 wasn't snow. So, yeah. Yeah, it's it, it, I, I, I don't remember. I don't think there and has for been one. a lot of those years they were in Little Rock. Yeah, you know? hasn't snowed in Oxford, and you know, for a game there in recent memory, hasn't snowed in Tuscaloosa. So yeah, something to consider when you get there. I, right now, if you said make pick a winner, very close Mississippi State win is what I would say, very close. Because I, I he's talking about Terry Wilson, and Terry Wilson does have a great record, but he is not a great player in my opinion. Uh, he's he he's just he's he, he was on. That that 2018 team was just really good. They had a first round draft choice on on defense. They had the best running back in the SEC at the time on offense. Terry Wilson just didn't have to make mistakes. You know what this means? What Terry Wilson's about to be the Heisman because you were just kind of saying the same things about Joe, Joe Burrow. Burrow. <laughs> and then he comes if out. Terry Wilson's listening. You should be stoked, my friend. You're going to be <laughs> first team All SEC at the very least. So we'll see what happens. All right, before we get out of here, one last thing, JT Ginn. Uh, has uh, made his uh, decision. He has signed with the New York Mets, two point nine million dollars. I believe Joel, that is about a five hundred thousand, yeah, six hundred thousand dollar increase from what he was offered out of high school. So, even after injuring himself, the gamble to come to Mississippi State paid off. Sure did, sure did, and uh, it just makes you feel good for him. I think Mississippi State and Mississippi State fans should feel proud of how Chris Lamonis handled. JT Ginn over the the entirety of his Bulldog career. And, you know, how many times did we hear him say it in that run to the College World Series in 19 and things? Like, the whole deal was just bigger than State's individual team goal. I mean, he was looking out for JT Ginn's arm. Right, right, right. And because you never know when that next set of parents or, or that next talented pitcher is looking at how you take care of a kid's arm. Boy, 
he did everything right when it came to taking care of his arm and yeah. prioritizing his arm and his future. And so is Lamonis a winner is, in this? Oh, I think so. Does yeah. He, does, can he tell recruits, hey, I, I, you know, he he made more money. Even getting injured, he made more money. I mean, you have to think if he wasn't injured, he would have been a top fifteen pick. Yeah, yeah. And would have made maybe double what he was supposed to make. What, what did Austin Hendrick get? Four million. Four million. Yeah. So close to it. Um, but yeah, I think everybody came out winners here. Mississippi State came out a winner. Chris Lamonis came out a winner, and and all the recruiting that they'll do. And JT again gets a half million dollars more than he would have gotten two years ago. Win, 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 win across the board. Um, and man, I guess you kind of knew this was coming when it's only a five-round MLB draft, but folks with Bulldog ties made bank the last few weeks. Um, I guess the lowest signing bonus was Blaze Jordan, $1.75 million, so not bad. Could you imagine being 17 years old? He may have turned 18 already, but I think he was. I think he's still just 17, having 1.75 million. It's got to be nice. It must be nice. I'll, I'll never know. I'm 35, and I, I will have never. 1. I will never have 1.75 million in the bank. I promise you. I'll be. I'll be incredibly surprised if I do. So, congrats to JT. Uh, and of course, now that your MSU roster is pretty much set, you know what you, you've got to deal with uh, from Mississippi State. Not that you were expecting JT again, but it just sort of is what it is there. Uh, and we'll see where uh, how next year lines up. All right. Tomorrow's show is the rumblings. Give me a theme, Joel Coleman. Mm. What do we want to talk about tomorrow? You gotta prepare me if you're gonna ask me a question. No, no, like that. I the first thing that comes off your mind. Oh, me. Um We done music? Man, that scares me because I don't know a ton well, of I, I mean we can ton, do it. We can I don't do know it. a ton either. That's fine. Yeah, let's just let's talk about music tomorrow. Your favorite bands, favorite songs, you know. Anything anything musical. Let's do that tomorrow. Favorite on karaoke. Karaoke is music? Absolutely. Yeah. What's, what's your go-tos on that? Yeah, no, no question. We'll do all that tomorrow on The Rumblings. Guys, have a great Tuesday. We'll be back with you on Wednesday morning. For Joel T. Coleman, Woo! I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi Media Production.